it's exciting and the landscape is great and you need diverse voices. I've always felt that way. That's why I've kept my last name. It's why it was always important to me for people to know that I was Chinese because when I started, it was important to me for another generation to see someone like them reflected in the media. So I'm not saying that we need to do finance just for women, make it pink. You know, it's not about that. It's about, I'm telling you what's going on in my life with the things that resonate with me. And I think because they resonate with me and my unique experience, hopefully it resonates with you. This is the Personal Finance Show. Hi, I'm Bo Humphreys, and this is episode 64 of The Personal Finance Show and the first episode of 2019. Happy New Year! As I said before the break, 2019 is a big year for me as I am becoming a parent for the first time. Since I'm recording this intro ahead of time, the baby might have already arrived. If you want to know when the baby comes and are a fan of the show, I'd recommend joining my new Facebook group. More details about that at the end of the show. I'll be sure to post a photo or two of the baby in there when he arrives. But until then, I have a lot of podcasts to publish. First up is Melissa Leung. Melissa Leung wants you to spend smart, save right, and enjoy life. Those are the words on the cover of her new book, Happy Go Money, which was just released this week. Melissa is a personal finance writer, on-air personality, speaker, and best-selling author. Now, you might be thinking, Bo, you can't say best-selling author if Melissa's first book just came out. Well, we didn't talk about this in the interview, but Melissa is already a best-selling author. Her self-published paranormal adventure novels, What Kills Me and I Am Forever, written under the pen name Wynne Channing, has sold almost 70,000 copies and soared to number one on a number of bestseller lists on Amazon. Melissa is funny and mindful and really just wants to help you manage your money while maximizing your happiness. Melissa invited me to her home where I got to meet her family, have some snacks, and talk about her personal finance story. I think my earliest recollection is my father had a shoebox that he cut a slit into, and he made that my piggy bank. So was it because of a funding thing, like you guys couldn't afford a real piggy bank, or he was frugal, or just creative? <laughs> all of the above. Oh, all of the above. No, my dad was... Uh, practical. He's the most practical person I know. And so I like that. That's uh, none of the things I said. He thought, <laughs> he thought shoebox, duct tape, done. No, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. No. Are you in a right angle? Like, I feel like you're, you want to shift so you can, we can look at each other. Yes, or? because yeah. I was like, gonna, I'm staring yeah. off at a cupcake. I'm literally going to spend the entire <laughs> time talking at the cupcake. So let me just turn here and eat. Well, we're, so we're eating. Yes. That's, that's the most important thing. Yes, but the cupcake is out of my reach. So that mm. might, Make me just a little annoyed throughout the rest so of it. You can so. move that mic. Yeah, exactly. Just How's that? You, you Is that better? Move, you can move the mic stand. Just shift it. Oh, yeah. yeah let's get that. Okay, that cool. That'll be, this will be dangerous. Okay, cool. Okay, so do you have money to put in this piggy bank then? He gave me an allowance. Okay, so you, he made, because he saved so much money on not buying a piggy bank, <laughs> or he was so practical. <laughs> yes. That, okay, what kind? Do you remember how much it was? There was, there was, uh, he would put $20 bills in there. What? Yes. <laughs> how long? Yes. How often? I, I, I don't think it was on schedule. That was the thing. He ah. would just always have $20 in there. 
But for what? Like, what, it would was you ever for, use that? It was for me to use. Mm. And so the piggy bank didn't have, you know, you, there's no coin slot where you can open yeah, it at I the bottom not. and shake it out. But so you just dug your fingers in the slit. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't very effective in uh, uh, getting you to um, build the discipline to, oh, I really want to take money, but I can't. It's, no, yeah. I just stick my whole hand like, in there you, and I, get it. However, I never, I, I, I think that, I think that people are often hardwired to have certain money behaviors and my money behavior was always to hoard. Hmm. And so I, my father would fill it and I would leave it. I think I agree with you because I've been asking people a lot like, yeah, why, like, why do you think you were like that when you were younger? Like what made you save or spend or not care about money? And I think, yeah, you're, I think you're right about being hardwired. Because my sister's not like that, right? That's right. And we have the same parents. And when I was a little girl, I was the type of person who on Halloween would have a very strategic plan about how I would go trick-or-treating and I would go back to the houses that had the most, you know, the most I just saw this candy. on This Is Us. Or, uh, <laughs> oh, Randall, really? are you watching that no, show too? No, I can't watch shows that make me cry right oh, now. I'm yeah. pregnant. And yeah, okay. I'm just over-emotional already. So. <laughs> you you got to watch that one because so you actually had like a, a map or... Oh, I was very, very strategic. And then I'd come home and I'd set it, I'd lay it all out on the floor and I'd make that candy last till the next October 31st. And so, you know, some things are perishable because back then you would just eat the brownie that's wrapped in plastic, which we say to throw out now, but... um, You got to throw that out too? Nowadays? Even if it's wrapped in plastic? Well, it was wrapped in saran wrap. Oh, oh, that, oh, the homemade ones. Okay. Uh, And, uh, you know, apparently... Several decades ago, we just, <laughs> we were a little bit less careful with that stuff. So anyways, I would eat it and then I would save, you know, some of the other stuff like the chips and I'd save it for later and it would be like a goal that I would work towards. I'd eat all this crappy candy and at the end of two weeks, I'd get this really great candy. And so mm. I actually had a plan to make it last. Meanwhile, my husband was the type of person who, when he was a kid, he ate all of his candy literally in three days and then he would go to the schoolyard and try to negotiate for more candy somebody else's candy <laughs> it's just a personality thing i think with money i have no idea yeah just, i mean he's getting more so he's just a born business person you, so he you two that's are what's still like this then, like you're are you would you be the frugal uh saver and he's just the negotiator trying to get more yes more like revenue yes no like we that, that is less? the uh that is the the joy and the pains of our relationship, right? Because <laughs> there is research that shows that spenders marry savers. It's a good point. Not, yeah. and then there's even more research that shows that actually is not a good idea. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happens. But well, you the know spenders what? win, it, right? Don't they? Don't the spenders always win? It just means conflict. Yeah, you know. And so uh, I I think uh, I think it's a magical fairy tale to say that a saver will teach a spender how to uh, appreciate the the future and then the 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 spender is going to teach the saver how to live in the now and it seems this is perfect balance but in real life it doesn't work that way yeah interesting and so sean yes i mean every if you look around our kitchen right now every gadget mm. is something that sean has bought on a whim online that has come to our house and you you don't <laughs> you don't want the gadgets no, there are pasta them? makers in our basement and <laughs> juicers and all sorts of things that have not even come out of the box. It's just, it's a source of, I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> it annoys what you, me. What would you want? Do you want to just like get rid of, have a yard sale and get rid of all of it? I don't want to get rid of it. I just wish it wasn't there in the first place, yeah. you know, but that's, uh, it, it becomes this, I chose this, I chose this partner and mm-hmm. I have to, we have to make compromises and we have to live with the fact that each other will, ha- each other has different default settings. So for example, 
Oh, I don't even know why I'm going to bring this up. I don't, I'm going to talk about poop. Okay, so... <laughs> Not the first one on the podcast. <laughs> okay. So don't so worry. For, like, I don't know. Recently, my, my son was potty training and, and he had an accident in his pants. And my his Sean's first inclination is... My husband's first inclination is to throw the, the pants out. Like right away. Mm. I don't want to deal with the poop. I don't want to look yeah, at it. Just yeah. throw it out. And I and immediately was so upset about that. I said, why would you throw that out? That costs money. We had to buy those pants. I'm just going to wash them. And he said, I would pay somebody not to have to deal Mm. (laughs) with dirty poop pants. So do you think this is a a hardware thing or or has to do with uh, uh, how you're brought up as well? I do think that the conversations that you have with your family, the way that your family uh, handled money, talked about money, your relationship with money is... Uh, shaped by your family for sure and you can have experiences you know I've interviewed lots of people over the years who've been shaped by you know my father was he wouldn't let us he wouldn't pay for any of our programs and so now I'm, I I just spend all this money on my yeah. kids programs right because I don't want him to feel what I felt so there is that there's but that, I do yeah. think you know just like nature versus nurture there's some some things that you bring to the table and there there are some things that come uh, through evolution and through life mm-hmm so you're leaving this $20 in the box all the time then? I was, yes. <laughs> so it might as well, like you just knew it was there. Did that mean anything to you though? Yes, it meant I was going to one day spend it on something great, but I never did. <laughs> so just to, <laughs> just to clarify. I just like the feeling of just having it and saving it and knowing that it was there. It was always just $20 like, and then he would replace it if it wasn't there. Or would he add more? He would more? add to it. So more $20 yes. bills. So do you remember how much... Like what have been in there, or when did you actually? And I open would it? I would add to it too because okay. every uh, every New Year's Chinese New Year mm-hmm. you get red pockets, red pockets, yeah, filled with money. And so I would add the money too. So I don't even know. I, I don't rec. I don't recall whether it was my father putting more money in, or it was just me. Mm. My maybe my father put the initial investment in. And then I just kept adding to it. And the, and soon the box was filled. And I, I loved that. I, I loved need to know the, how much money was in this box. I have when no you finally idea. Use it, or you, you did use it someday. There was one. There was hundreds. For sure, there yeah. were hundreds of, of dollars in it. And I, 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 I don't know. It was like eight. Did you, did you end up spending it on something? Never. So where is it now? Do you the, still it have went, it? It went into the bank account. <laughs> okay. So it did, yeah. So you eventually took it. Whenever you open a bank account, do you have yes. that memory? Or is that just all blurred in? It's blurred, but I do remember that little blue you know, the little pocket the and you would go and you'd <laughs> it would, uh, feed the machine yeah. and it would print line by line you when know, your balance was. Can people still was. do that? Do they still? Like, is there, a, if you are nostalgic or I guess over a certain age where you don't want to know about online banking, can you still do that at an ATM these days? I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, me neither. I feel like, I, I know, I remember when you could do it at the ATM. Yes. But I don't know if they phased that out. Because if, if you're doing that, you probably want to go into the branch anyway. That's what I think. I, th- I think it's a great exercise for kids to go into the branch. It just makes the whole process tangible. I think that's a really important experience. Uh, I, I have my own ideas about what I believe the um, intangibility of money does for our society uh, and for the way that we spend. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, if we could... that. I love that. I rem- I, I I loved the um, the seeing my balance in the book and, and yeah. But and is that the reality eyes. that that Jet's gonna have though? Right? I can like, make it the reality. I can go in with him. I can yeah. get them to print out a statement. Physically. But even will, will the branches even still be there when when it's time for him? 
That's a good question. I don't question. know that, right? Yes. Well, there are, I mean, there are different kind of apps right now that are, are and, and ones that are coming that mm-hmm. try to make it a little bit more interactive for kids. And, game, I, and I'm hoping. it. I like that. Yeah. I, I'm hoping that there will be something like that when I'm ready to, to talk about that with Jet. Yeah. I had Dojo just, on. That's one of them. They're okay. working with uh, an Alberta bank, I think, right now. And yeah, there's a couple more out. Right. I saw some down at FinCon. Yes, I saw a few at FinCon. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sure, you know, I mean, the the landscape is changing, right? Technology is changing so quickly. So there will be something. I don't know what it is, but right now we're good with our, we have a piggy bank. We don't have a shoebox. We have a piggy bank. Because I believe. So he has a piggy bank now. Yes, but it's because I believe that, that Jet's not like me. I think he's like my husband. And so if there is something there, he will take it and he will want to spend it. Mm. Because he's got the genes from both of you. Yes, but that that <laughs> that uh, the, uh, the 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 Spender. default setting, I, I think, yeah. is the. Um, it's stronger, dominant. I think so. I think so. It's the way that he <laughs> he uh, has his candy too, and the way that he eats his food or his snacks. Like mm. He just he just wants to stuff them all in his face. I say, just wait, just enjoy. You know, like maybe save one for tomorrow, like for later, even for a couple minutes. No, it's just all in his and face. And that's not all, kids, though. He has friends who don't do them, who, mm. who act differently with their candy. Yeah, okay. It's just, I, I don't, I, uh, I don't know. So you, you got this, you had this box full of money that anybody, maybe a lot of other people would have just spent on candy. Maybe. As it went. And do you remember when you first started earning your own money? Was, were you a teenager? Yes, I was babysitting. Ah, there you go. So you get the, the babysitting money. Went in the box. Yeah, okay. So, so that <laughs> kept going in the box. Or the bank account or whichever one. Whatever, I don't really remember you now. Yeah. Kept going in the box. And then after that, like, did you work retail jobs or I did. Service? I worked. My family owned uh, one of the oldest restaurants in Winnipeg. Oh, wow. And so. Oh, is that where you're from? I, we haven't I even am, talked about yeah. that. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm so, a Winnipegger. I'm a pegger. And my parents uh, and, and the family, they owned a restaurant called Shanghai. It was this, it was this monstrous building on a uh, corner in Chinatown. And I, I think it opened in like the late 30s. And that's where I saw. I saw the like I, I am a hard worker and i think that is built from where I, what i grew up with i mean mm. you, we're working in a restaurant yeah that's, that's yeah that's a slog right it's laborious it's, it's all the time all right? day my parents were there on the weekends uh my father worked a nine to five for the government and then he worked at the restaurant are you serious he worked on the holidays i never saw them at christmas on christmas eve on new year's eve wow that's, they were working that's dedication yeah, and the whole family was there. My uncle, everybody just put the time in. And you just, you didn't do one thing, right? You had to do everything. So you were, you know, my father would take orders. He'd bring the food out. There, somebody else would be, you know, doing, serving tables, but then they might be cleaning at the end. And so you see the grit that goes into making money. Is the restaurant still there? It actually closed just a few years ago. Just a few years yeah, ago. Wow. About, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you said 30s, so... It's a, it was a long time, and it, it uh, the legacy of that restaurant is um, the next generations. You know, we don't we didn't want to run it, yeah. But all of the money that came from that that enterprise is what funded all of our educations. Mm-hmm. So all the grandkids went off to chase their own dreams. So you worked in this restaurant. I did a little bit of work in the restaurant. Yes. Well, like what, everything. Um, they wouldn't let me. It was mostly <laughs> it was mostly at the front. Okay. Yeah. So I worked in the front. The face of the restaurant. Yeah. My, my grandfather really prized. Like host? Yes. Host- so Hostess? I, I, Is that still the right sort term? sort of cashier, I suppose. Okay, okay sure. My grandfather yeah, really prized money. education. Okay, yeah. Um, and so he really wanted the kids to spend more time studying. 
So we mm-hmm. didn't spend too much time working in the restaurant. We okay. were pursuing our studies so that we could further ourselves. Yeah, because somebody just mentioned this concept to me in that, like, yeah, if you're working in high school or, you know, whenever, this was probably high school times uh, when you were, yep. yeah. Yep. Like, that's your job is going to high school. Like, what are we, what is high school for? What are we, what are we going to school for to learn about, you know, showing up somewhere on time, yes. getting your work done and, you know, having a full day and being able to plan for that, right? And so now we're throwing part-time jobs at, at kids. Mm-hmm. They're tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, they maybe don't make it to school. So now that's not a priority. The making money is a priority. That's, mm. it's, it's, it's interesting. interesting, right? It is interesting. I, th- I, I don't necessarily agree. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, think it's a, I think it should be a balance. Yeah. Um, I don't think you should, you know, be encouraging your 13-year-old to try to work every day after yeah. school. It's not that. In moderation, right? I think when you're older, I think it's really important to go and... and, and uh, learn what it takes to make money out there. Yeah. And so I worked all through university. Yeah. Uh, okay. I worked several so did, jobs in university. Yeah. And so seven, several, not several, several, not oh seven, <laughs> several. Seven. I'm like all at once or no, no. no. all seven. No. So several I, jobs. I would have if I, if I could have given, <laughs> what did you take given how your, ambitious you take I was trying to be at the time. Uh, I, while I was studying, I, I tutored. I, so I tutored writing. Uh, I worked at the mall. And so nice. I sold, you know, clothing, um, what did you study? Journalism. Nice. I have a, a bachelor's of journalism you with are a, a major journalist? in newspapers. Ma- you can major in newspapers? Yes. Guess, I chose it back yeah. then because I thought that was the one that was going to be around the longest. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I can move past that. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to make it look bad. But <laughs> oh, it's okay. I, mean, I learned are so still, many great skills. They're it doesn't still matter. around though. Like I, I, if somebody they would ask me 10 years ago, I would have said probably not. Uh, just because that's where the internet I thought was heading, mm-hmm. but they are still around. So you're right. They are. They're just changing forms. Like well, yeah, they're okay. Becoming online publications, but they're and... online. But they're still in print too. People still want print. They are still I in don't print. Understand it, but uh, I think there's an older generation that really loves the 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 feel of the paper and the ink and. Is this is it newspaper different than a book? Like in terms of that, you know, feeling of the paper. Like, will books be around forever? Oh, I don't Physical know. books. Yeah, what do you think? I I I don't have a crystal ball, but I don't think they will. Yeah. <laughs> I think like it'll eventually just all going digital. Everything's going to go Everything's going to go digital. Do we have to come up with something to replace? So yeah, cuz you have a book coming. Yes, yes, I do. Happy Go Money. And it should be it's out, out. It's should out, be now. out now. Yes. Yes. Whenever this airs. <laughs> yes. And you're also pregnant. Yes. <laughs> and hopefully the baby will not be out when this airs. Yes. It's just, well, well, it, we'll, we'll see. It'll be my fault if I delay the, the, the Oh, no, the airing, that's fine. But, I just yeah. didn't want the baby. I don't want the baby to come early. My that's first right. came early and it was a, a surprise. But um, we'll just say that this ra- book, book baby first yes, book. and then actual baby after. <laughs> so uh, we'll say this is sometime in January, but in the book date <laughs> releases, uh, do you have a, a January 8th? Date? January 8th. Yeah. It's like kind of the first possible time of the new year yeah new year new you i mean that's the time when people are looking for uh uh, looking for inspiration for trying to improve their lives and Mm. obviously you and i strongly believe in the power of of how to manage money yes to change your life and so uh, i am very excited for people to read it it's very personal and it's i hope fun (laughs) what's what's the title of it Happy Go Money. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that sounds fun to me. It sounds happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a, uh, wait, are you on the cover? I forget now. I'm not on the cover. No, but it's a, it's a, the title and it's a bunch of, uh, is it a bunch of balls? Is it a bunch of it's like. It's candy. Can, it's candy. Okay. Candy. I couldn't tell. <laughs> like I just, 
I look, I I didn't drill down, but could be little like, balls, but could be candy. Like color, colored balls, colored candy. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. Did you get to, like, were you involved in this photo shoot? You know what? I have had a wonderful experience with my publishers, ECW Press. They're very collaborative and very supportive. And we actually had a couple of cover options that, that started the whole thing. Mm. And I've heard of other authors just saying, no, I just had a cover shown to me and said, this is what you get. But however, uh, ECW Press sent me three and they said, what do you think? Nice. You know, what are your thoughts? And I was fine with yeah. the one that that we chose. It was a, um, it was very different. It was a, 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 a cover with a piggy bank on it. Okay. Um, which is a little bit cliche, but you know, yeah. it's obvious what you're going to get. If you, you want get, people to read <laughs> you, the book. That's right. If so, you look on a bookshelf and you see a piggy bank, you yeah. think this book is going to help me with money. Yeah. And so I, I, I was totally fine with it. However, I didn't, didn't feel right. Mm. Um, sort of at your instinct. And yeah. I expressed that. And so, uh, the publisher was, uh, I guess they had the same instinct as well. And they went back to the drawing board. And so we just bounced around ideas and okay. we came up with, they showed me some photos of candy and yeah. they actually, the cover designer who I, I can't, I don't know what kind of discipline is involved in doing this, but she actually, she actually with tweezers moved all that candy Are you to serious? be able to spell out the space of happy. I just assume pho- so just Photoshop. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. Thousands. And, and on my Instagram, there is a, in my stories. Yeah. It's the, I show some clips of her process. Oh, you, okay. She just you spreads out a whole, like thousands of tiny bits of candy wow. and then moves them so that she can make the A and the, <laughs> I, thought, I thought, Oh my gosh, that is intense. That's well, that, a, that just makes the cover so much better. Yeah. Right? Isn't it like if, to I just to it. know that? I'm ha- I'm very happy with it. I love it. That's cool. So it's a you know I didn't want to jump right into the book, but we can. <laughs> okay. Um, so happy go money, yes. and so it's personal, and that you're talking about your life a lot, not just sort of not just like uh, you know advice about money, which I'm I'm sure is in there. Yes. Um, but. You know, can you give a little, uh, sure. little taste of uh, my my elevator pitch for the book sure, is yeah. basically how to manage your life in a way to maximize happiness. Yeah. And so there are lots of uh, positive psychology books out there, a lot of books about happiness mm. and there are books about, you know, personal finance guides. And I just got to squish them all together. And it's not uh, I mean, I mean, I had a book proposal floating around with uh, my agent for seven years. Mm. And so it wasn't it wasn't this book. It took uh, a life event that um, they could give it a, an anchor. And so something happened between Sean and I uh, that I straight up talk about in the very beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. And that's what sort of led me on this journey. And we're not going to spoil it because we want people to read the book. Oh, no, it's the very beginning of the book. Yeah, he, yeah. It's totally fine. Yeah, Do you want, want me? No, if you want. I, a couple months after getting married, Sean and I had just bought you know a townhouse in the Burbs and we were trying to settle in. And he got a prescription for sleeping pills because he was headed to a ski trip with the dudes. Hmm. And he thought, I'm going to be sleeping with these guys. They're going to be snoring. I want to sleep. Yeah. Sounds like a good, good call. <laughs> and, he, uh, <laughs> and he had not actually taken medication uh, before, not like even Tylenol. Never, nothing. No. And he had a really terrible reaction to it. Mm. He um, became horribly depressed and wow. just stricken with anxiety and suicidal ideation. And he became somebody very different. Yeah. And that is not what they tell you is going to happen when you get married you think oh i'm going to be reading about baby books you don't think that you're going to be accompanying your husband to the hospital yeah 
So uh, in the day, I was working at the Financial Post. I was okay. writing about personal finance. But in my off hours, there was nothing I could do for Sean. But I just I wanted to be happy. And so I went on this personal quest to just try to be happy in the mm-hmm. face of what is probably the worst time of our lives. And so I, 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 we went to wellness retreats. I listened to hours upon hours of lectures from happiness gurus, from mm. Buddhist monks, from resilience experts. I read every single book I can find about happiness and nobody talked about finance. Mm, yeah. Um, but I knew from obviously my work at the post during the day that we were all trying to be happy through money. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to explore that a lot more. And I think that I've tried to distill that in this book and my way of um, giving back and saying that maybe you can buy happiness if you know how to manage your money in a certain way. Uh, And here's how. Okay. And so let's go back and and figure out how you got to to this point to be able to write write this book. So (laughs) my first question is who paid for school or how did you pay for university? Journalism. I worked and my father helped me. Nice. So they had saved up. They had money, saved up money for me. 24 7 in the restaurant. Yes. And so when I was working, all of my money went back to my father. Mm, okay. So I think that was an interesting dynamic. Well, my friends thought it was strange that I would work and my, I literally I signed the back of my paychecks and I just sent them to my dad. So, like, right at, so when you got a job out of university? As soon as you, or while you were while working, I was in, while, while I was you were in university. university. Yes, yeah. because my father was paying, was paying for, for my tuition, so yeah. my money really technically belonged to him. That's an interesting way to look at it, because not everybody would have that thought. No, and I, and I think there's a, I think that's my, my my parents. I think it's my father. I mean, he used to give me money as a kid, yeah. and uh, I remember my friends would give would get money from their parents, and they would say, oh, I just, I just got 10 bucks from my dad, let's go blow it. Yeah. And I always thought, that's your family's money. I don't understand why you would blow it. That's your money too. And so I carried that. I continue to carry that. That's how you thought about the $20 in the box. Why would I blow it? He's giving it to me. It's now mine. I have to take care of it. So he's giving it to you to hold on to. I like that. And I'm going to give it back to him. Hmm. And so, uh, you know, in my, in my adulthood, I, and I, it's funny because, so in my adulthood, my, my parents have helped me over the years with different things. So they've gave, they gave me a little bit of money for my down payment for my first condo. Mm-hmm. I think they gave me a little bit for my wedding. Uh, I don't remember. It wouldn't have been a lot because at that point I was heavily entrenched in my, I can take care of myself, dad. <laughs> uh, and there were many times where he did try to offer me money. He still tries to offer me money for jet. And I, back then it was a source of pride. I would write void. On the checks. Okay. In like big letters. Sure. And either give it back to him or actually would paste them in my journal. And to me, it was a symbol of how much my dad cared for me, but it was also a symbol of how much, uh, I, how important it was for me to take care of myself. And he's okay with just making the offer. He made the offer if you, you don't know take what? it. Or? It's funny because I was going to say that now that I have a kid, mm. I think everything that mine, everything that I have is yours. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I feel almost sad if I, if I think that I'm going to give Jet my life savings and everything that I've accumulated afterwards. And he would say, no, I can take care of myself. That makes me feel sad. So nowadays, my mm. it only is recently, only in the last maybe six months that my father gave my son a, uh, a gift. It was a, a, a red pocket gift. Rather than write void on the check, I said, I'm going to put this in his RESP. Thank you. There you go. Because it, it, he feels good to do that. And I won't let him take care of me anymore, but he can take care of my son. That's good. I like the I like the way that that has sort of evolved. And but we all have our independent days where like I want to I want to do this all myself. 
I have a problem with that, to be honest. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I have a, even Sean, even my husband says, you can't do everything yourself. You know, you can't, you know, I don't like to be told. And so he, I, I'm realizing that my, I'm not doing my father a favor by saying no, if he wants to gift me some money. Yeah, that's right. He wants right. to, because it comes from a, of a, of a good place. That, and he doesn't, he, he always, you know, and he always says, you know, what am I going to do with this? Like, I, I, you can't be buried with your money. You Is know, that one of the ways that money can make you happy? By by giving it away. Yes, according yeah. to research, if yeah. you spend your money on other people, it yeah. it brings you joy. I mean, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, if you're giving money to charity, studies show that you are more satisfied with your life. Yeah. So that, that makes a lot of sense. But you got help with school, and you you took that because well, you didn't have enough money to go to school, right? No, because <laughs> I came, I was from Winnipeg, and so I was I living expenses in Toronto. You know. So that's even when you back came then, to the city. I did by myself, and this is. It's a big city. You're living in the peg. You're like, <laughs> I need to go to the big city because I want to be a journalist. Yes. This was like, it d- but it, did it matter what kind of journalist at that time? Or Well, there were only two, well, there were two large universities at the time who would give you a journalism degree, and that was Ryerson and, and Carleton University. Okay. And so Carleton actually gave me a, a scholarship, like an mm. $8,000 scholarship. Okay. I still chose Ryerson. Oh, really? Um. Not it, just for my own personal reasons, just being in it, being in Toronto and, and uh, all the things that I'd heard about Ryerson and their program. And, and yeah. I wasn't wrong. So I Good. made the right decision. So you get this degree mm-hmm. and where do you start working? Like how, when do you start making a paycheck? after? So that? I uh, because I was one of those people that was constantly working while I was in school. Mm. I did a lot of freelancing uh, every single time I had a break. If I had a Christmas break, if I had a spring break, if I had a uh, summer break, I would go and find a newspaper to work at. So I'd fly home mm. to Winnipeg and I'd work at the community papers at first. And then I started working at the Winnipeg Free Press, which is their daily, uh, their daily broadsheet. And I did my internship uh, when I was in Toronto at the Globe and Mail. Nice. And then after that, I applied to be in the Toronto Stars internship program, which is extremely competitive. Yeah. They accept like a handful of people out of hundreds then, upon hundreds then of applicants. And now still? Is it? I think so. It is yeah. still. And they had a, uh, uh, an excellent internship program. It was so intense. And, and it was it was great. It was such a, a great education for me. And then I was at the Toronto Star for a little while. And after that, I ended up at the National Post. And where did personal finance come into play? Okay, so <laughs> my journalism career uh, spans about 15 years, 17 years yeah. or so. And so you're going across the board. You're writing I have everything. written, I have spent time in every section of the newspaper except sports. Yeah. So I did, I was in business. Um, I wrote about arts and life. So I was writing and doing movie reviews. I was traveling. Uh, I rode the buses with Queens Park when there were elections. Um, I was the police reporter at the Post cool. for a little while. And I was working my dream job. Uh, I was covering life for uh, for the arts and life section at the mm. National Post. I yeah. loved it. I loved it so much. People ran into me in the street. They'd say, How are you? They'd be like, I'm great. I love my job. <laughs> it was so <laughs> great. Uh, I, I was really passionate about writing stories about um, just people stories, yeah. right? You know, your health, your... your um, like stuff, the everyday stuff, right? Issues. Yeah. yeah, that was important to me. And they were downsizing. So they downsized the um, the department, but my editor now I see wanted me to be somewhere where they were growing. He okay. wanted something. He he was looking out for me. I didn't yeah. see it at the time because I was throwing a fit in his office. But <laughs> he moved me to uh, the Financial Post in the business section. Okay, okay. And I was devastated. 
Because you had never done business before. I had done business you, before at the Toronto Star, like and I didn't like it. Mm. And so I, uh, I tried to apply for retail jobs. I, <laughs> I really, tried, you, you I was out. so depressed. I was really down. Was it because were you writing about? like markets and investing or like not personal finance? I or? was in general assignment. So yeah. you're, I mean, my very first day I was on a conference call and somebody said on the phone, M&A, and I had no idea what yeah. that was. Yeah. And so I had to say, I mean, you know, I had to say, I'm talking to CEOs of companies who now think I'm the largest moron on the planet. But that's a corporate term. It's like, it's not like a small business would use M&A. Yes, but if you're in business, you know what that is. It's, you know, mergers and acquisitions, yeah. of course. Not a candy, Melissa. You're thinking, <laughs> M&M? M &M? Did you see M&M? &M? What was that? <laughs> so, you know, that was, um, that's hard. And for me, I, I've always had, um, I've always had issues with my confidence when it comes to not being good at my job. You know, mm. I want to be good at my job. And so when you're thrown into something new, mm. you're in the beginning. And that's, for me, I felt really insecure about myself. And uh, and like every journey of confidence, uh, it has to begin somewhere. So I decided, you know what? F this. I'm just going to, I'm here. I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to learn as much as I can. And if, if I give it a, an honest shot and I still hate it, then fair. That's fair. I can leave. And so I became close with my editors and uh, my mentors there, my personal finance editor and my editor, Grant Ellis, who was the the head of the section at the time. He's now, um, I think he's general manager at BNN now, but uh, he saw something for me and he carved this this space for me to write about personal finance from a feature standpoint mm, nice and personal finance is about people yeah it really there's is. just stories about your life and transitions and big decisions that you have to make and so for me i thought i can do that yeah you know i can do that no m a <laughs> i still wrote about that too but uh the, the but you uh, had you had this personal finance i became passionate about about personal finance um, from a very human level, mm -hmm. which I think made it, um, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I think it added an important voice to that landscape. Mm. Um, I think it was important for us to, to discuss more issues involving women yep. um, and money. Yep. I think not only because it's important for women to handle their finances and more so because we live longer and we need more savings and, and we often are, we often uh, delegate some of the, the investing and the long-term planning to our husbands while we handle the day-to-day. -day. It's not just that stuff. It's, there are there are things that we didn't you know that you don't um that you don't think about that are really important issues like the cost of infertility and the Mm. the um, financial journey that you have to go on for that or the cost of motherhood how you know I, women who take a couple years off to raise children they make 30 percent less than women who have not worked who have not taken time off at all we have to talk about that yeah, of it's, course. A, it's a fact you may, will make less money for your choices so let's shed a light on that let's talk about how we can um i mean i mean lobbying the government for 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 more level playing ground is, is one thing but we also can talk about how we in our lives can uh, be more mindful that this is coming, that these are the issues facing us. And so my brain thought of those things. And I, I'm not sh not sure that that's top of mind with, with, with your regular personal finance fair where your RSP season's coming. Let's all write about the top things that you should be invested in, you know? Well, yeah. Like, shouldn't we talk about things like all money things? It's it's just weird to me that, that you even have to make it, had to make a case or you still have to for like, this is why we should talk about women's stuff. We should talk about women's stuff because men and women are exist in the world and we all have money <laughs> things and well, how is one more important than the other? A right? lot has a lot has changed. Mm. I mean you have um 
I think you always had voices who were trying to push that. You had, you know, like Ellen Roseman, for example, has yeah. been writing for decades. And, and she's always written about, you know, she had a column where she was writing about her kids and her family. But I think there was more pushback, first of all, to huh. some of those ideas. And I think it was rare. It was more. But now you have mommy blogs and you have all of this. Yeah, um, I like that. Uh, I like that there's room for everybody. Yes. And there's more light on it. But I mean, when I started in personal finance, I'm trying to remember, I was like eight years ago or something. I, I, there were fewer. I think there were fewer voices. Definitely now fewer books written by women. Yeah. And there's I mean, so many now. Now there's which is so awesome. many popular female bloggers yeah. and a lot of millennial bloggers too reaching new demographics. And so uh, it's exciting and the landscape is great and you need diverse voices. I, you always, I've always felt that way. That's why I've kept my last name. It's why it was always important to me for people to know yeah. that I was Chinese because when I started, it was important to me yeah. to have uh, for for another generation to see someone like them reflected in the media. Well, I always quote one of my uh, former guests, uh, previous guests. And I don't want to say former; it sounds like it's <laughs> like past or something. <laughs> Hamza Hamza Khan. He wrote um, the Burnout Gamble. He he mentioned on the show that he would have loved to listen to a podcast like this and hear uh, Hamza, like an older Hamza, yes, talk about. Yeah, I'm in marketing and mm-hmm. I'm killing it. Yes. Right? Or something inspiring. Mm-hmm. But of course, if when, if he was listening to podcasts uh, 10 years ago or whenever it was, it might have just been a bunch of white guys or maybe other people that he can't relate to. And so, yeah, let's diverse everything. Let's let's just get it all. Let's let's, you know, diversify all of it so that people can listen and hear themselves. Yes. You're just looking for relatable stories. and You can't have that if you don't have different voices talking about something. And so so I'm not saying that we need to do finance just for women. Make it pink. You know, it's not about that. It's about. I'm telling you what's going on in my life with the things that resonate with me. And I think because they resonate with me and my unique experience, hopefully it resonates with you. I'd like to think that the only people that think that, the, you know, oh, you're pushing down men and everything's going to be pink uh, are the misogynists. But, <laughs> you know, it's... <laughs> no, I just meant stereotypes. Yeah, <laughs> I just like, yeah, like people who are threatened by diversity is something I don't understand because it just makes everything just richer to me. That's like, you know, to use a money term, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like if yes. we hear from people with, you know, from different places, different cultures, different backgrounds, different experiences. Of course, of course. Right? That's And different that's people in different cultures have different experiences with money. Yes, very you know? different. And so, uh, I, I um, yeah, I, I, lo- I love uh, I love being a part of, I love talking to you. I love being a part of this landscape where we all can share our own experiences. That's right. And, and there's room... You know, the, what I like about the personal finance community in Canada, especially, is there's room for everybody. Everybody was so welcoming to me two years ago. Yes. And, the you know, nicest people in Canada. Right. We got and a, that's saying a lot because Canadians are very nice. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> We're the nicest of the nice. Is that right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we might very be a little supportive, biased. Here. Very. <laughs> But um, we we have a conference uh, coming up, all of us, right? All no, of this is airing. You're, oh, no, you're, no, you're man, I did up it again. Time. We're going we back did in a, time. The conference was great, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. <laughs> Those nice people that gathered there. They're so nice. Yes. But if I remember the one from the previous year, which yes. is now way far away from this, the airing of this episode, it was my first one, the Canadian Personal Finance Conference. And it's just like, hey, everybody's, it's like friends and family. It's like you're just all sitting around. Everybody's on the same page. Yes, it's lovely. It's also lovely to meet all these people who you who not only that you share the same interests, but I find the community very supportive and I've always been 
I'm all, I've always I, I'm on a I'm on a television show with all women and mm. so, and, and I, I've found that most of the people I mentor are women and um, when I receive a job and I can't do it I often think of somebody often another expert or female worker who I think or sorry female voice who I think would be great mm-hmm. uh, and so I've always been about supporting each other and I found that when I came into this community they were already like that they wanted to support you yeah which is amazing because i i think that there's too much um just, <laughs> i can hear my son yeah, yeah. expressing his anger in the background <laughs> we're eating we're eating food on whining. the podcast <laughs> yes. we have we're acknowledging the presence my of toddler children. yeah it's this my is toddler's life, angry everyone. about people who don't support other people <laughs> <laughs> that's, right. that's right he was waiting until then yeah. just to be a what's the name of the tv show oh I, uh, the social it's like so the I've canadian been, view right yeah, it's, so our, I, that's the it's way the that leading I see it. daytime television talk show uh, yeah. in Canada. And yes. how, when does it air? How, how often? It airs at 1 o'clock daily. 1 o'clock every and day. And it's live. So are you on the live. show every day? Oh, goodness, no. No, no, yeah. No. <laughs> we should do a money show every day. Hey? No, they, so they bring you on. You're um, the personal finance I'm, I'm their expert, money, expert, money expert, yes. Expert. And so I was on their very first week when they launched about five years ago, yeah. and I've just kept going back. How, like, how, what's the frequency? Like about monthly? once a month, yeah. yeah. Because, you know, there's always there's always stuff to talk about when it comes to money. How did you yes. get into the TV part of it? Like, so you you were a, news, you were a newspaper specialist. Yes, I was. I was a writer. <laughs> I actually went to Ryerson thinking that I would go into broadcasting and found that I wasn't very good on camera. Okay. When I was really? 18. At so, that point, you needed more time. I needed the confidence, I think. Sure. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I, I mean, I don't, not that I necessarily have the, the confidence now. It's just I... I had a really great team at the National Post and the National Post, I've always thought um, they let you be who you are. And uh, sometimes I feel like it's a a, a bunch of (laughs) sometimes I felt it was me and my friends running a daily national newspaper. (laughs) And so when I was in personal finance, we started making some videos for the Post. Okay, And my editors were like. Yeah, go for it. Whatever. Do whatever you want. And so we named it, you know, Save Your Effing Money. Nice. And we just shot random, just random things. Like, they pied me in the face. We just did <laughs> skits where... Are these all on YouTube? Oh, yes. Okay. They're, they're, like, dressed up in ridiculous outfits. I dressed up like like Supergirl once to talk about insurance. I, I, call, I prank called my parents to ask them if I could have all their money in their estate. So we really? could talk about estate planning. Amazing. It was so fun. And there I was, didn't know about these. Oh, we just wrote them. We wrote <laughs> them. We stuck them on there. I did a fake cooking show where I was stirring coins in a bowl. Anyways, <laughs> we, it was just a great everything. outlet for creativity yeah and so that's where i started with video just being an ass on that's on youtube that's smart because we just got to get started when it comes to video right it's it's tough it's tough to do video if you haven't done it before i think that if you are self-conscious that getting over that hump is tough but the stuff that we were putting out there early on it was myself and a producer uh, and a videographer and we just had fun. We had so much fun. Like I rented a giant wedding dress to do a, a, a wedding <laughs> savings video. And it really? Was just, they threw money at me in the air. Like it was, you're long, making it rain. Ridiculous. Oh, I don't know. Six years ago, seven years ago, okay, maybe. Okay. Some of the earlier ones we did. Well, you have a YouTube channel of your own? I, not really. No. No. Where like they're just, they'd be on the, 
on the post. They'd be on the on the National Post website. Like maybe in the. They're on YouTube. You could probably Google them. Yeah, okay. find them on YouTube. Okay, we'll, go- we'll Google you. <laughs> yes, find my <laughs> embarrassing videos on uh, YouTube. But it was all in the name of financial literacy, so I stand behind them. Yeah, we got to keep. We got to try to do different things, right? That's why, like, that's why all these different books are coming out because everybody responds to different things you know happy go money or like shannon's um book worry free yeah worry worry free free money money. it's like you know you can read a whole you can read the wealthy barber and all the original ones and stuff but maybe not everything's going to speak to you and so to me there's always room for another voice more sure more voices like i said different people relate to different things exactly um i think i mean when i was part of the reason why my books sort of sat around for so long is because i thought oh there's so many personal finance books you know what can i bring to it that will be different and what it was you know what i didn't realize was that i i have my own it's you yeah yeah, it's it's my own voice it's my own insight and and um all the mistakes, you know, with your own personal journey that come with it. and It's the same argument for for bloggers or, or anybody coming out with something new. It's like, it's so saturated, so saturated. What I, I can't write, nobody wants another uh, article about saving money on groceries or clipping coupons or whatever, right? But that's not it. it it's you are you, nobody else is you. Right. And you know what? You might not be interested in that. You might think that clipping coupons is is ridiculous yeah in which case you would have a personal finance blog about that and there would be people who relate to you that's right and uh uh and so yeah those videos were not made for uh people who (laughs) who necessarily work on bay street and and need to uh, need an entrance into um you know basic personal finance they they were not geared for that but i I remember when some of them went up on the website at the national post website there's one where i'm in gold leotards and i'm doing an exercise (laughs) video and we made some sort of fake infomercial for a money contraption and there were some comments from people who were were saying is this are you serious you know what is what are you doing financial post but again not for you yeah we we got to talk about what you started doing with your money when you started making it because that wouldn't—that's—that's uh, that's part of your story. Mm-hmm. So you were making money, being a journalist for fifteen years. Where, like, how did you learn about like investing, and and or were you just super frugal and a saver? Is that like all that kind of? I from? wasn't. I went through a period in born out of insecurity, where you are in your early twenties and you think you need to spend your money like an adult. Mm, and so I filled yeah. my apartment with things that I thought an adult should have okay. or a successful person should wear this yeah, yeah. or, uh, and so I did, I was spending a lot of money mindlessly. Like in debt, were you in debt or I was never in debt. No. So you I, I was that. always you afraid about of, that. I was always afraid of debt sure. yeah. and I got a, um, a friend who was a personal finance, um, a, a financial advisor okay. to give me my first budget. Oh, nice. And that's how I sort of got started on my own personal journey. But in the beginning, my own, uh, my own financial behavior is just I like to save, and so it was it was easier for me to save. I've made a lot of mistakes yeah. in the past too, but I was never somebody who um, got carried away and got lost in debt. And what about uh, investing? Like, did you invest in something early on, or like? Was it housing or you said your parents gave you a down payment for a condo? Yeah. So earlier on in my 20s, I invested in housing. So I bought a, uh, a condo and I invested in what most Canadians are invested in is Tim mutual Hortons. funds. No. Oh. <laughs> <Sorry>. Tim Hortons stock? <laughs> Maybe funds. if it's part of the basket. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably in one of our yeah. mutual funds. But yeah, so this is... Uh, well, in my are, 20s. In your 20s. So 
uh, probably two and a half percent mutual funds, uh, MER, like maybe that. higher, yeah, maybe higher. I mean, back then I had no idea. Did you have to get out of them? Did you have to pay penalties or anything? To, I did. Yeah. Deferred sales charges. Yes. I'm still angry about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I it's like 10 years I later, tell by your, I don't know, look 15 on your face. years later and I'm still angry about it. So you must've cut out of them early, early enough then. Like it wasn't like the six or seven years went by that you cut Cut halfway through your deferred sales charge. No, I, I, um, the the idea of losing money was so painful to me mm-hmm. that I I waited. So you waited. I waited until the uh, the DSC counted down. You did. But in that time, you I just thought about furious. how <laughs> I just thought about all the opportunities I could have been okay that I'm missing out on, yeah. and I was thinking about my other portfolio that was actually doing better. Yeah, that it, my my the portfolio that I built myself was it doing better or was it doing the same but because of oh the fees. yes oh excuse me yeah it was doing pretty much the same but the maybe fees eroded yeah two or three percent higher sure and that's sometimes all it takes right that's why we talk about these two or three percent over many many years is a lot of money people might be and that like, pisses me off why do you guys keep talking about these two and a half percent mutual right because funds? they think if what somebody yes if somebody drank two percent of my coffee every yeah. day I would not blink an eye but you'd be pissed yes. if somebody did the math for you <laughs> and you saw how much money you were losing over say uh, 20 years yeah and it, that's why money's a different conversation than you know other things because it it, on, it only works in the money situation right the compound interest concept and the re, and the returns over time right compounding returns it only applies to money so that's why people it's hard for people to relate using yeah. other examples right yes i i well do you I, have another one well i like robert browns oh yeah the uh, rabbits, i like his rabbits well, you like know rabbits, one, one rabbit Brown. does another rabbit and they make many more rabbits or, it, or zombies one zombie bites another zombie yes. and they make more zombies so yeah robert's got a lot of good, <laughs> a lot <laughs> yeah. of good ones yes that's i a, use a dragon only because i'm obsessed with game of thrones and okay. so you got your egg and you have to let it it's the time. Yeah. The oh. time is what makes it turn into that giant Turn into beast. actual, otherwise it's just Right. Uh, otherwise breakfast. it's just a, ti- yes, yeah. a tiny lizard. What's the yeah. point or of that? Or a lizard or an egg <laughs> yolk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, something with the toast. But yeah, no, of course, Robert's got a lot of examples <laughs> yes. in there. So pick up all things like rabbits. I got to plug Robert now. Very fun. It was a great read. So you did the mutual funds and you got out of them, but you were upset. And then... You got into stuff that you're probably in now. I'm guessing ETFs and so other yeah. Back like then, that. I mean, back then, my way out of mutual funds yeah. were uh, with TDU series uh, index. And so funds. that was like yeah. the first, okay. my first. Okay, I don't want to be in mutual funds, yeah. but uh, I wasn't in business at that time yeah. either, and Not so yet. I was still yeah. quote unquote a novice, I suppose. Sure. But you knew you weren't. You knew you shouldn't be paying these fees, and you were upset about the deferred sales charges. And so you moved into something that had a lower fee on it. Yeah, I knew. You know what? I, I think myself and other Canadians, you get, you develop a relationship with your advisor, right? Mm, yeah, okay. And they sell mutual funds. Yeah. That's what they do. That's their job. And so you ask. I asked my advisor many times about, hey, yeah. what about this? Or what about ETFs? Or what about this? And she would always say, well, what, what else can she say? She said, well, you know what? What you're also paying for in that yeah. 2% is my service to you. That's My right. advice to you. My guidance. My coaching. And at the time, yeah. I thought, worth it. Okay. 
worth it. Good. I'm uh, you glad. know, and I think other. I, I think that's fine too. If some yeah. people want to pay a little bit Honestly. extra to get somebody to help them, that's what that is for. But if you are not using the coaching, that's if right. your financial advisor sucks yeah. and doesn't call you Once and year, you just, don't see yeah. them, they're just just basically reaping benefits off of your initial investment. Then, or they only call you on RRSP season just to say, "Hey, where's my money to at?" Get more. You know, then then are you getting the value for that to say 2% or whatever it yeah, is? That's, that's, a, that's probably the best conversation right. to have. About it. It's not I mean, like, we I don't mean, hate fees, but we hate fees that are for nothing. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, get something for your money, right? Yes. And I, I mean, DSCs are becoming rarer and rarer. Oh, yeah, they so, don't so, exist much anymore. Uh, but, but back, you know, back in the back some then. Some people might still have, uh, still be in there or have to, have to pay upfront char- charges. Yes, because like, even though they phased them out a few years ago, you if you locked in, say, the yeah. four years ago, yeah. then you still have a few years to go before right? it's gone, right? I paid my penalty to get out. Oh, you did? I, did. I just was. You I were like, screw out. you, I'm getting out of here. I just, and it, you know, and it, I won't blame the advisor because I'm sure they told me, you know, because it was a friend of mine, but it's a. No, I'm good. Thanks. Sorry. Um, <laughs> my husband is playing <laughs> waiter. He's just coming by and saying, would you like some more water? No, you know, actually, I think this. Uh, I think I think we're good. I think this is a we got like kind of your your full story. You know, the book is where where you're at now, mm-hmm. and you know we can find out more about you in the book too, right? You your story, can, a lot yes. of your stories in there. My, my embarrassing stories, my highlights, my okay. lowlights. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is and obviously money advice and and happiness advice. Yeah, as well. exactly. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. So uh, so fun. The book is Happy Go Money. And it's coming out in January, on January 8th <laughs> on all available bookstores in uh, in Canada and the U.S. Otherwise, people can watch The Social. The Social, the social yes. And, <laughs> and still catch my articles in the Financial Post. You're still writing for the, the Post and other places you're writing. And yeah, I just pop up. You can TV. also find me. Yeah, I, I just I, I do my rounds and sometimes I appear on different TV shows and radio stations. And, and you sp- you spoke at a conference in November. <laughs> I do a lot of keynote speaking. <laughs> yes. And uh, I am I, I, I have a love hate relationship with social media because I think it makes I think it makes us miserable, to be honest, sure. is a detriment to our, our financial. Be, yeah. Yep. Uh, situations. However, I am most active on Instagram. So if somebody wants to DM me or look at pictures of food I've burned uh, in my Instagram stories or whatever it is, yes. then that's where they can find <laughs> me at uh, yeah, Atlas Leong. Okay, fantastic. And I'll put all those links in, but thanks for having me in your home. And uh, it's great to meet your family. And uh, we're eating food. <laughs> Junk food. I'm Junk pregnant, food. okay? I, I can't go five <laughs> minutes without having some sort of carb. Yeah, exactly. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or however you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave me a five-star rating or review or both. If you're already a subscriber, thanks so much. I'd love to get your feedback on this episode in my new Facebook group. To find the group, go to Facebook and search for The Personal Finance Show. Once you're approved, you'll be able to interact with me, previous guests of the show, and other fans as well. Thanks for listening to my first episode of 2019. As I said at the beginning of the episode, it's going to be a busy year, but I'll still do my best to bring you new guests every week. That's all for me. Until next week, when my guests will be Damian Lupo from Total Control Financial.
Was I crunching really loudly? Oh, I, oh, I, I didn't eat the pickle. Here, here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be... I'll put this right at the end. Nice.